Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yo, yo, welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And we are back. The All-Star break is over. Uh, the Lakers played a game on Friday night, uh, defeating the Pacers 105-100. to uh, but, but first, I want to say I hope you all enjoyed your break. Um, I know I did. I got to spend some time with family, unwind a little bit for a couple days, uh, and then got back to the grind. I uh, poured over film, uh, I poured over statistics, and put together a couple pieces for The Athletic for the second half of the week. If you have not checked those out yet, uh, one story was six questions and storylines for the second half of the season for the Lakers, and then the other story was midseason grades. And I think some of those will upset you. You probably disagree with my grades for AD and Marcus Gasol. Uh, I think I'm a little higher on those two than most of Laker Nation, but uh, I explain my reasoning and, and why um, I think those guys have had better seasons than uh, they've been given credit for. But uh, the, the story of the game, uh, I think, was actually not the game itself, but the Anthony Davis update, that Anthony Davis is going to be out for at least two more weeks with his right calf strain and right Achilles tendinosis. Uh, so the, the Lakers had said uh, yesterday at practice that AD was going to be evaluated on Friday night before the game. Then pregame, we spoke with Frank Vogel. He said that AD was going to be evaluated after his media availability and that there would be an update uh, later in the evening. So at the beginning of the game, uh, we were informed by the Lakers that AD was going to be reevaluated by the team doctors in a couple of weeks and that he has been making progress. He is, uh, you know, I guess in the next step of his recovery and return, but based on it being four weeks and then now adding a couple of weeks on top of that, I'm not optimistic that he's going to be back right at that two week mark. I do think that it seems like after these next two weeks, it could be another week or two after that, and who knows, maybe longer. I mean, we don't know the severity uh, of the injury. You know, it, it has been a little vague, but th the fact that he has now been out for this long, uh, and you know, as of post game, Frank uh, had said that he's not sure if AD is going to be returning to on court activities uh, anytime soon, or, or kind of what the next step is in this recovery process. So, I think that that's the big thing. Um, the other thing that isn't going to get as much attention, but it is still very important for the Lakers, is that Marcus Soul is still in health and, and safety protocols. So he's now been in that for over a week, which makes you you know wonder kind of what what's going on there. Um, I think if it were a contact tracing situation, he probably would have been back by now. But that's just me speculating. Uh, so we'll, we'll see you know kind of what happened with Mark, uh, and then Alex Caruso left the game. Uh, with a head contusion and was being tested for a concussion. We don't know the status of him yet. So <laughs> the Lakers are just banged up left and right, now missing three of their top eight guys in the rotation. 
uh, including two starters. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens over the next uh, stretch. I I tweeted it out. The Lakers schedule uh, without Anthony Davis for the next two weeks or so. So I'm including the Indiana game as one of the games. But at Golden State versus Minnesota versus Charlotte versus Atlanta at Phoenix at New Orleans versus Philly versus Cleveland. So I actually think this is a pretty winnable stretch. I think if you look at it, I mean they've already beat Indiana at Golden State. I think that's a winnable game. Home versus Minnesota, Charlotte, and Atlanta. Those are three lottery teams. I mean, in Charlotte's case, you know, back end playoff team right now, but that's in the East, basically a West lottery team. Uh, I think that they should be able to win all three of those games. Then at Phoenix will be tough. We already saw what Phoenix did. And then at New Orleans, that one could be a little tricky. I mean, they do have Zion, Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, there's always some added motivation from the, some of the Pelicans, you know, former Lakers. Uh, versus Philly will be tough, but Joel Embiid just went down with a hyperextended knee, so we don't know his status. And you know, Philly is much worse without Joel Embiid. He, he is one of the you know biggest on-off differentials in the league. Uh, and then home versus Cleveland. So I really think, including the the, Indi- the Indiana win, the Lakers could go six and three or seven and two pretty easily during this stretch. And I, I think that would both you know, boost their standing in the West, but also boost LeBron's MVP case, which I think now with Joel Embiid going down um, is probably, you know, he's probably going to be the front runner, uh, unfortunately for Embiid and the Sixers. Uh, I do think that him missing some time will affect his his MVP standing. You know, there's just no way around it. That's just how it works. So uh, of course, you know, Nikola Jokic is in the mix, uh, Steph Curry, Giannis, Kawhi, like there's other guys kind of on the periphery, but it has felt for the last few weeks that it's been an Embiid versus LeBron uh, race at the top. And I think with Embiid going down potentially for at least a couple of weeks, uh, that, that, that I think that opens the door for LeBron to take the, the front runner spot. But that's for a, a different podcast. Uh, we have a game to discuss. So the Lakers won 105 to 100, improving to 25 and 13 and 13 and 8 at home. Uh, LeBron had 18 points and 10 assists. Weird game for him, only 5 of 13 shooting, uh, three rebounds. But I-, I thought, you know, overall, just another LeBron game. I mean, it was, <laughs> was plus 11 in a game they won by five. So um, y- you can see the, the on off there uh, with-, with him. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, though, was the, the player of the game. Uh, I thought the, this wasn't necessarily his best game of the season, but it was probably his most impactful. So he had 24 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, and I thought, you know, really swung the game in the middle of that fourth quarter. Uh, so the, the Lakers trailed 29-21 through the first. Malcolm Brogdon uh, went off with 18 first quarter points. It was the quietest uh, first quarter that I, or, Quietest 18 point quarter I can remember personally. I know he had had a good quarter because uh, because I, I tweeted that and, and someone asked me, you know, were you not watching the first quarter? I was like, no. I mean, I, I thought he had 12, 13, maybe 14 points, but 18 points in a quarter is a lot for anybody. And um, you know, I, it just it didn't feel that way to me. But that really set the tone early for this game. And, and from that point, Indiana was kind of in control. You know, the, the Lakers had a, a couple of nice stretches, second quarter, third quarter. 
you know, brought the game to about even or down two points, four points. Uh, but Indiana was able to rally at the end of both quarters and stretch the lead back out. So the Lakers were down eight points through the first, through the second, and through the third. And really into the fourth, it started to look like just one of these games that they've lost without Anthony Davis, where the, the offense is bad, it's stagnant. They're not really getting much if they're not getting out in transition or uh, you know getting to the free throw line. And you know they're, they're not shooting the ball well. Uh, for the night, they were only seven to 22. Uh, on threes, but you know the turnovers, they had 13 turnovers through the, the middle of the third. It was just one of those games where, you know, just all the bad trends and habits that we've seen from the Lakers in recent weeks were all rearing their head in, in this game. And of course, you, you couple that with them coming out of the All-Star break like this. And, and, and you know, it's just the, that first game back from the All-Star break is always rusty. Uh, Frank Vogel even said at pregame that uh, that, that previous uh, you know the practice they had had yesterday that all the guys were shooting you know and, and all the shots were short and it just looked like guys are still getting their legs back so i i think the, the lakers kind of had that built-in excuse but i was really impressed w- with their rally in the fourth quarter you know th- this team continues to have that proverbial switch that they're able to flip and really you know rally and, and come back from these deficits in the fourth quarter and it's not the best habit uh but i i do think that you know, there was an element too of they got hot shooting at the right time. And, you know, like, I don't know how much of it was effort based of the, just they were trying harder versus Kyle Kuzma gets hot, uh, you know, scores, I don't know what, 10 points during a 22 to four run. And just, you know, that kind of swings the game. Like, I think there was a little bit of both there where um, I think there was some strategy breakthrough, so some good. Uh, pick and roll actions with Montrez Harrell and LeBron James and Dennis Schroeder and um, just some effective, you know, kind of late game offense from that group. But then also, uh, you know, just guys getting hot and making shots. And sometimes it's that simple, uh, especially for the Lakers uh, who have not been hot and making shots uh, for, for quite some while now. So big takeaway for, for me from this game, 39 free throw attempts for the Lakers, which was a season high Couple that with 54 points in the paint. And I just think this is kind of the blueprint for them without Anthony Davis and when they're not hitting threes. And they only took 22 threes, uh, made seven of them, so 31.8%. Uh, but it's really just putting pressure on defenses and, and getting into the, you know, getting to the rim, living in the paint, and and really putting the pressure on the defense and, you know, to a lesser extent, the refs to Uh, you know, make calls or or not make calls, right? And this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. The Lakers are a really good foul drawing team, and I think they haven't exploited that this season as much as they could or or should and you know we have seen that in certain games where they've been at 30 plus free throws and i'm not saying it's easy to to get you know to draw that many fouls to to get that many free throws but i do think when they're able to do that you see their record is pretty good and um tonight with with the three-point shot not falling against indiana you know the fact that they were able to get you know 11 attempts from lebron uh six attempts from dennis six attempts from kuz 
and actually all 10 guys that played attempted at least one free throw. Like that's just encouraging. So for me, like I think while ideally the Lakers need to start making threes at some point and the fact that, you know, Wes was 0 of 1, uh, KCP was 0 of 2, LeBron was just 1 of 4, uh, even Dennis was 1 of 3. Like some of these guys need to start getting closer to that, you know, high 30s, um, you know, low 40s. And, and KCP is there technically, but he has not been there since basically, you know, mid to late January. So I think those guys need to progress to the mean and just get back to shooting the ball the way they're capable of. But in the meantime, you know, again, 54 points in the paint. That's a really good number. Uh, 39 free throw attempts, only made 30. So, you know, 77% free throw shooting. You'll, you'll live with it. They won the game. Uh, you know, free throw shooting continues to be a bit of an issue in terms of actually making the free throws. But in terms of getting there, uh, you know, I, I thought that was really encouraging. And the Lakers only finished with 15 turnovers, and, and that's still probably a little too high. But the fact that they had 13 in the third and, and really took care of the ball down the stretch, I thought that was a good sign. And I thought the, the last thing, 10 steals, five blocks, they were really active defensively. And there were a lot of breakdowns. Uh, the, the Pacers still got 50 points in the paint themselves. Uh, you know, they took 21 free throws. Um, they, they shot the ball really well until the fourth quarter. Uh, so I, it's not like you know, the Lakers didn't pitch a shutout. They didn't have a great defensive performance. But I do think that there was a lot of activity. You know, Dennis had four steals. Uh, there were one, two, uh, six other guys who had at least one steal. And I, I probably could have done that math quicker. But um, I'm looking at the box score here. I just think, you know, the, the defensive activity and the ability to uh, just play the passing lanes, make reads, and then that kind of sparked their transition game where they had uh, 14 points and 21 points off of the Pacers' 16 turnovers. Like, that to me was just, uh, or sorry, rather 20 points off their 16 turnovers. Uh, that to me was just an encouraging sign. And this was, again, not a dominant or even good offensive performance, but there were some things that I think if they can carry over, you know, being the, the, the free throws, the points in the paint, the transition game, uh, like I think those are positive trends for AD-less basketball, which is going to be the next two weeks or so. So I think overall, like an ugly game wasn't a pretty win, but a win is a win. And I think, you know, you, you just move on. It was the first game after the All-Star break. I mean, if you go look at some of the box scores and, and some of the performances, like teams just historically don't shoot well coming out of the All-Star break. There's always that first stinker. And the Lakers basically had a stinker for the first 40 or so minutes before turning it on with that 22 to four run. Um, so again, props to Kyle Kuzma, who, who I think had his uh, probably his most impactful game of the season. Trez had a good game, 17 and six. I, I thought you know th this was one of his better defensive games uh, of the season uh, with, with a steal and three blocks, and was just very active and energized defensively. Uh, and, and you know I think. You know, and then LeBron with, with his 18 and 10. And um, that, that, that to me, you know, th those were the three guys that, that stood out. But let's get into the open forum section of the podcast to answer your questions. Um, Aaron Laban, and I know I just butchered it again. I, I apologize. Uh, do you think Damian Jones sticks with one of these final roster spots? If not, what big man do you think the Lakers end up with? Uh, this is from Manny 
Chokuba, uh, what happens with Dame Jones? And then one more from Morris C. Thomas. What are your thoughts on Jones? I'm not sure uh, whether to use a spot on him or not. I haven't been as high on Damian Jones as some of the Lakers media and Laker fans. Um, I do think that looking at the, the context of his career, there were openings in Golden State and to a lesser extent Atlanta you know, for him to be that athletic, defensive, you know, rim protector, lob threat finisher, uh, you know, the, the the role that he's basically in with the Lakers that he just hasn't thrived in in, in previous stops. And and for a guy that young to be given up on twice, um, that just to me, you know, that it's it's a mini red flag, right? Like I just think if the guy is as good as uh, you know, we're kind of thinking based on his first couple of games or just based on his skill set, why would Golden State, who has kind of had a center issue for, for multiple years now, give up on him? And, you know, why would Atlanta, who, you know, now they have Capella and John Collins could play the five and like, you know, there's probably not much of a need for Damian Jones. But I, I just think, you know, to me, I just don't like when, when young guys are given up on and not even just given up on like, because there's young guys that are given up on in terms of like being traded, but it just felt like Golden State really just, you know, gave up on him, didn't want him. You know, Atlanta waved him. Like that to me gave me some pause heading into the situation. Now, now that he's been on the Lakers and, and had a few games under his belt, I do think he has some use, especially as like a second or third string guy. Like he can have some moments in bench lineups. You know, I don't think he's better than Marcus Gasol. I don't think he's better than Montrezl Harrell. I do think that maybe specifically in the lob threat rim protection role, he is better. But there are many other facets of the game, including pick and roll defense, rebounding, passing, screening, like those areas. I think he trails those guys. Certain regards trails them by a lot. So I think that his role on this team when everyone's healthy is third string center if not fourth string center with Anthony Davis able to slide over to play the five and that's fine like he's fine in that role I've been saying that the Lakers just need basically an extra body to play that position so like I think Jones fits that but if there is a better option in free agency be it Andre Drummond JaVale McGee whoever else comes up on the buyout market and or the trade market, I do think that player, like the threshold to be a, a better option and a better fit than Jones is very low in my opinion. So, you know, if the Lakers just end up keeping him as is, I think that's fine. But for me, I do think that there probably is a better option. Again, Drummond might be pie in the sky. JaVale has to be traded and then waived. So like those two options might not even be realistic options for the Lakers. I just think that there probably is going to be a better available big man than Damian Jones. Now, if Damian Jones is the answer, I think he's fine. He's passable, but I don't think he's some savior. I don't think he's JaVale McGee 2.0. I don't think he's Dwight 2.0. I think he's okay. And there's a reason, again, that teams are kind of given up on it. And for me, just looking at it, I mean, he can do the things that the Lakers are asking of him, but that's basically all he can do. Like offensively, he is essentially only a lob threat, you know, a dump off, catch it guy, and, you know, maybe tip in an offensive rebound, but he's not going to facilitate. You know, he's not a threat outside of like four feet. And, you know, he doesn't have much gravity. Defenses aren't really concerned with him. And then on the defensive side, again, he can block shots. He can protect the rim. He can rebound a little bit, but he's not a great pick and roll defender, rather even a good one. His rotations are okay. Like he's a little stiff for how athletic he is. He's also a little stiff at the same time. So I think Jones is fine, but I, I again, um, you know, I keep saying the word fine. And, and that's just what I think he is. Like he's, to me, he's a third string center on a good team. 
and maybe a backup center on like a, you know, okay, it's a bad team. But for what the Lakers need right now, I think it's passable with Marcus Sola out, with Anthony Davis out. Um, you know, they, they definitely need some front court help. And I, I think he, he's doing okay. I, I thought tonight against Indiana, he, he didn't play that well. Um, you know, I had a decent offensive game, was a little bit more active on the offensive end. Uh, but but defensively, I don't think, you know, played that well. But again, I think if, if he's on the team as a third string guy, uh, I think they're in okay shape. And then let's get to the last couple here uh, from Lakers Nation, uh, Lakers Nation Clubhouse. Uh, shout out to them for having me on uh, the, their clubhouse room and, and did a two and a half hour Q&A. So I uh, appreciate you guys for, for having me first off. And, and uh, you know, thank you for asking a question. Uh, should we be concerned with AD being out another two weeks? And then a similar one from Anakit Mohan24. Uh, thoughts on whether chemistry might affect the Lakers in the postseason with AD not playing enough games. I think that Anakit is hitting on something here with the potential issues, you know, in terms of chemistry and on-court reps um, that could affect the Lakers in the postseason with AD missing what's going to be, you know, at, at least nine more games. He, he's missed 14. So that takes you to 23 missed games. And as I said earlier, I, I do think that he's more likely going to be out at least another week or so, maybe a couple weeks. So that maybe brings you to seven, eight, nine more games. And at that point now, AD's missed, you know, 30, 32 games. So I think all of that time, like you, you can't, simulate that in any other way besides actually playing in games together like that that is the the value of having your core you know relatively healthy and i think that you know this is ad is, is not just any guy right like he is the number two offensive option he is the number one uh you know defensive linebacker communicator captain like whatever you want to you know kind of label him as defensively like he, he's just so valuable to this team on both ends and is such a key part of their identity uh, on both ends like i think that is the, the the one concern especially with you know having five new guys in, in your top 11 um and some of those guys in dennis and trez and, and tht being so involved in the offense when they're on the floor uh and you know on the floor long ad that is kind of my my one team related concern. I think, you know, of course, the the biggest concern should be AD and his short-term health and long-term health and, and what some of this could mean. But besides that, I, I do think that the, the team's just lack of chemistry, continuity, on-court reps, uh just time together is one potential thing that could affect them negatively in the postseason. Now, I think they have the talent to overcome it. I think just having LeBron and AD healthy I'm still going to pick the Lakers against basically any other team. Uh, you know, I would have said in the past, like if unless a team added a star, but Brooklyn added a, a third all-star, and I'm still going to pick the Lakers over them uh, if they end up facing. So I do think that, you know, 80s, the Lakers just need to get 80 healthy and give him his time off, let him rest, let him recover, and they'll be fine. But from a team perspective, I do think that just the, the lack of, of, lineup possessions right like you know we look at the lineup data and the possession data and all that stuff so important the lack of that is one thing that could affect the lakers um and hurt them in the postseason but you know that's just something you can't control uh you know again we don't know how long mark's going to be out we don't know how long alex is going to be out um or if alex is going to be out at all or if mark's going to be back by monday like we just don't know some of these things with this team right now and 
having three rotation guys out um, is a blow. It is going to make the next few games harder. Um, you know, when, when I was saying that six and three or seven and two, um, that I guess was in, in, you know, thinking in my head, like Mark and, and Alex will be back soon or maybe not miss any more games, but we just don't know that. Like, you know, Mark could easily miss another week if he's looking at like a two week uh, quarantine. So th- there are some things up in the air with the Lakers right now, but I think overall, this was a, a solid win uh, against a solid, you know, Eastern Conference opponent in, in Indiana. And you just take it and roll with it and just on to the next one, Golden State on Monday. Uh, and that's what they should be focusing on. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. I made a TikTok, as I said recently. Um, you can follow me on all three at Jovan Buha. Uh, that's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening right now, including on The Athletic, you can subscribe there. And then uh, if you have not subscribed to The Athletic, we currently have a $1 deal going on, $1 per month uh, deal. So please do so if you have not, and if you're interested, uh, and please sign up off of one of my stories. That helps me out um, adding a a sub to uh, uh, my sub tracker. So um, I I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, But thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.